time. We ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that anything that uh, comes out of my mouth that is of you for us today, we would remember and apply, and anything that is not of you, we would forget forever. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of days ago was the anniversary of William Tyndale's being burned at the stake for translating the Bible into English. It's an exciting day, October 6th, right? Anybody have any Tyndale parties? No? No? Okay, yeah, we didn't either. Um, <clears throat> And uh, his last words were a prayer. Lord, open the eyes of the king of England. And then he was burned, right? Two years after his death, King Henry VIII authorized the distribution of the Matthew Bible in English to be distributed to every church so that people would be able to read God's word in their language and not have to access it through Latin or through a priest. It was an amazing thing um, that took place there. Can you imagine if Tyndall hadn't stood for the truth? If he had backed down and wavered and decided, eh, this is getting too hot for me. I don't want to deal with that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so in the coming weeks, we're all going to be asked and required to rightly divide the word of truth. Okay. In the scripture lesson today, in the epistle, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. We often think about that verse in terms of people who are leaders in churches and people who preach and teach and rightly dividing the word of truth, and that's all true, but each one of us needs to rightly divide the word of truth, rightly explaining the word of truth through our, our words, through our actions. Uh, Pontius Pilate famously asked that question, right? What is truth? <laughs> what is truth? And so often today we hear people saying, well, that might be your truth, but it's not my truth or their truth. But what we're really dealing with here is what is the truth? There is actually the truth. And I realize that I'm preaching to the choir a little bit here today. It's um, a friendly home crowd. Uh, <laughs> but I want to encourage us as we step into the next stages of our life together uh, as a church here. And the question is going to be asked, will we be able to stand for the truth and still share the love of Jesus Christ? So often, um, when people are taking a stand for biblical truth, the accusation is that we're not loving. And nothing really could be further from the truth than to share the truth in love. Is it loving to obscure the truth to make somebody feel better? No. Because the truth is still the truth. Regardless, right? We can share the truth in love. So we're going to be asked in the coming weeks... Uh, what we stand for. And throughout the centuries, Christians have found themselves in the place where they have been asked to stand. It's for various reasons. Different things come along. Um, usually they didn't ask for it. <laughs> but they find themselves in that position where they're being called to stand. And rather than having it be a fearful thing, 
We can see throughout history that every single time God asks a follower of Jesus Christ to stand, he provides them with everything that they need to be strong to do it. Every single time, God does not leave you hanging, twisting in the wind. And because of that, it really is a joy and honor and a privilege to be able to stand for the truth of the word of God. It's nothing that we should be ashamed of or duck our head down and say, I know it's really hard to accept this, but this is what we believe. Please don't judge us. You know? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. Right? Right? So we will have to affirm what we believe about the word of God. And the answer to this question is going to decide a great many things for us. And so today we're receiving this message from Paul to Timothy. Uh, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Earlier in 2 Timothy, Paul urges Timothy to be unashamed of Christ, unashamed of Paul and his sufferings uh, in the gospel, and to join with him in suffering for the faith. Um. A lot of people had already deserted Paul at that point in time, and uh, to be associated with him would potentially lead to further persecution, and a lot of people had kind of denied and distanced themselves. And uh, I wonder if any of us have ever felt shame about Christ and about following him. Have you ever been caught up in a crowd, and they find out you're a Christian, and it's not really that crowd, and so you're kind of like, oh. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. I remember when I was uh, in middle school, um, I had something where some people made fun of me because I went to church. And I tried to sort of verbally distance myself from my lifelong church attendance. <laughs> and because I wanted to, you know, fit in with the crowd. And immediately I felt sick because of it. You know, and I had to go and repent and, and turn to the Lord about that. And I wonder if any of us have ever felt that sort of shame about the faith and that sort of thing. And um, sometimes people feel shame about Scripture's teachings, whether it be on homosexuality, on abortion, on creation. I mean, you name it, we might as well rip the Band-Aid off. There's a lot of things out there that are in Holy Scripture that culture will not align themselves with. And we as followers of Jesus Christ must align ourselves with the truth that's found in God's holy word. Um, And so with all that social pressure, many people have felt a pressure to compromise biblical views. Um, There's a verse in Proverbs, one of my favorites, 29.25, says the fear of people becomes a snare. (laughs) Right? When we become afraid of people or afraid of what they think, sometimes it can change the way We will communicate something or we might water something down or vacillate or compromise on something that we really shouldn't be compromising on. And um, we might suffer for standing for the truth, but the Lord has promised that he will always be with us, that he will be there by his Holy Spirit to give us the words to speak when we are called to give the account for the hope that is in us. Ultimately, when we feel this fear or this shame about the faith, it stops us from progressing spiritually. And for some people, they feel it enough and they feel enough pressure that it begins to pull them away from Christ. 
And uh, scripture tells us that some will actually fall away because of trouble and persecution over the word. Where have you heard this question before? Did God really say? Right? Satan has been using the same trick since the very beginning, and he is still using it today. When the serpent came to Eve in the garden and he said, did God really say that if you eat of this tree, you'll die? He said, no, actually, God knows that you'll become like him, knowing the difference between good and evil, and tempts her into it, calls into question. What about when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness? Satan used the scriptures twisted to try to tempt Jesus into sinning. Did God really say? He uses the same phrase again. And Christ expertly answers it with scripture and with the truth of God's word. And the culture today is looking at this and saying, did God really say this doesn't fit with us anymore? It's the same question. We can't be deceived by it. We have to recognize it for what it is. Pray for those who are following after that, but stand firm in what the Lord has called us to by his holy word. Present yourselves unashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you take nothing else away from this morning when you're down at coffee hour, remember that little piece of scripture, present yourselves unashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we are at this juncture now where we are being called for the account, to make an account for the hope that is in us. You know, for some of us, this happens day to day in our lives, right? We might work in a secular workplace or we might have family members or a spouse that doesn't believe and, and uh, you know, they're always watching, aren't they? To see if our words and our actions are going to line up. Are we going to slip up? How does this work out? Um, there are other times when we are called to stand together for the truth of the gospel in a larger group, and we're beginning to face one of those. And I just want to encourage us that we are not alone. This is really exciting. History is full of people who stood for their faith. And we have the honor and the privilege of standing now. Um, <clears throat> Warren Wearsby tells the story of this um, imprisoned Christian who was about to be burned at the stake. And this uh, Christian was afraid that he would not endure the suffering and that he would deny Christ. And Wearsby says, and I'm quoting here, One night he experimented with pain by putting his little finger into the candle. It hurt, and immediately he withdrew it. I will disgrace my Lord, he said to himself. I cannot bear the pain. But when the hour came for him to die, he praised God and gave a noble witness for Jesus Christ. God gave him the power when he needed it and not before. Quite a thing. So don't be afraid. The Holy Spirit is going to buoy you up, give you courage and boldness and the wisdom for the words to speak at the right time. Now, hopefully we're not facing burning at the stake here. Uh, <laughs> we're not facing perhaps even the loss of our jobs or our lands or our homes for the gospel, which plenty of people throughout history have faced. Uh, we do face costs. We face persecution, we face judgment from others, opinions in town, from family, from friends. There may be uncomfortable conversations and there may be hard questions asked. But these 
as uncomfortable as they are, they are precious opportunities for us to be a faithful witness for Jesus and to stand on his word even as we do so in love. There is a warning in here for us too. Um, You know, warnings kind of make us uncomfortable and they're supposed to. Uh, This one makes me a little uncomfortable and I want to share it with you this morning. Uh, In uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 38, Jesus says, For if anyone is ashamed of me in my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Here's a warning. If we know the truth and we don't stand, there's a warning about that. Okay? So to truly follow Jesus... We need to be unashamed of him and of his teachings. <clears throat> Those who are ashamed, Christ will be ashamed of them at his coming. I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of me when he comes. Uh, that is going to be an amazing and powerful and humbling moment when Christ returns. And I want to greet it in awe and joy and not fear and shame. In the last days, people will declare, Lord, Lord, and Christ will reply, I never knew you. I don't want to hear that. These are important things to consider. So we need to present ourselves a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word truth. I keep coming back to that because that's what I'm hoping you'll take away. Uh, How do we hold to the teaching of the word? How do you hold to the word of truth? Well, first you have to know it. You have to understand it. Um, Many who profess Christ don't really know what God's word teaches. This is how we end up with mainline denomination after mainline denomination taking a hard turn away from scripture. Because in the name of love... In the name of trying to follow after a culture, they ask, they answer the question, does God really say very differently than we do? Um, we've got to know what the word says if we are going to be able to stand for the truth. Um, for some, people are lazy in their study of God's word and they mishandle it. And that's going to be something that they will have to be accounting for later on and it causes them and others to stumble and it leads to shame ultimately before God and before others so if we're going to be unashamed of the gospel if we are going to understand this we've got to understand God's word and that happens through disciplined study we've got to actually take it out you know (laughs) and read it right to hang on to sound teaching We've got to actually obey it. We can't just read it. We've got to walk it out. We've got to live it. Um, A lot of times people are ashamed of God and of what the Bible says um, because they feel sort of hypocritical about it. Uh, They know that they're not following it and they're not really walking it and their lifestyle doesn't match what they're believing and so they feel some shame about it. But we don't have to feel that. You know, we can read it We can commit our way to the Lord. There's a prayer that I say almost every morning when I'm laying in bed before I check my phone. 
And it goes a little like this. Lord, you have brought me safely to this new day. Preserve me by your mighty power that I might not fall into sin nor become overcome by adversity. Lead me and direct me to the fulfilling of your purpose in my life today. You know, you can pray that. You can start out your day that way. Read some scripture and try to walk it out. Are you going to do it well? Maybe, maybe not. Are you going to fail? Yeah, probably. But fail forward for the Lord. At the end of the day, ask for forgiveness. Go to sleep with no shame on your conscience. Rest in the Lord and wake up the next day and try again. To keep sound teaching, we've got to test everything against God's word. That is the standard. God's word is the standard. Um, in um, Methodist uh, doctrine, there's something called the uh, Wesleyan Quadrilateral, which basically has scripture, tradition, reason, and experience all together. And lately, in the last 75 years or so, Scripture, tradition, reason, and experience have all become equal players in terms of interpreting how to have holy living. When that was formed, Wesley was very clear that tradition, reason, and experience are all subject to the authority of holy scripture. And it is not an equal division of one quarter for each. Okay? So everything has to be tested against God's word. And it's for big doctrinal stuff, right? And it's also for work norms, cultural expectations, how we relate to one another, how we parent our kids. It's all in Scripture. And it's all got to be tested against the truth of God's Word. Because to follow something else is to ignore the compass. It's to go off on what seems right to us, but it's really leading us down a broad path to destruction. To keep sound teaching, we've got to demonstrate love and faith. Because if the truth of the word of God is living in us, it's not going to become a harsh faith that's pharisaical and without love. Right? If we have love and no faith, then we're a mile wide and an inch deep. If we have great faith and no love then we, we become pharisaical about things and we just cram stuff down people's throats and it doesn't work. It's got to be communicated with love. Are we keeping that standard of love and faith as we walk through this road? To keep and hold on to sound teaching, we've got to guard it. We've got to guard what has been entrusted to us. You know, we are the followers of Jesus Christ who are alive in the world at this moment. There have been 2,000 plus years of followers of Jesus Christ that have preceded us, who through various trials and challenges and struggles held on to and guarded what was entrusted to them so that we have it now. And we are carrying the torch. God forbid it go out because we weren't faithful. That is a serious honor and a privilege and also a very sobering thing that at this time we are being called to stand. We are called to expose false doctrine and false teaching and to guard our own hearts, the hearts of our families and our church against it in whatever form it may come. 
Finally, to hang on to sound teaching, we've got to rely on the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of all truth. And if the Holy Spirit is telling us something that runs contrary to culture, it's probably right. <laughs> you know, if you really listen to it, if you listen to that voice of the Holy Spirit with you and you feel this disjunct sense between what you think the Spirit is telling you and what the culture is, that's a really good litmus test for it. Because the Lord is going to be running countercultural to what's happening around us. So the Spirit enables us to keep the pattern of following the sound doctrine found in Holy Scripture. Uh, we depend on the Holy Spirit through prayer. We depend on the Holy Spirit when we read His Word to inspire us. Have you ever been reading the Word and, the, and it seems like what you just read leaps off the page and you're like, I've read that a hundred times and I never understood it until now. That's the Holy Spirit revealing it to you in that moment because you need to understand that at that time. You know, he will reveal his truth to us if we ask him to and if we will try to listen. So we have got to rely on the Holy Spirit to discern what is true and what is false. We have to rely on him to be able to teach God's word. You know, you might think, well, my spiritual gift isn't teaching or preaching. But when you have a conversation with somebody about some of these issues or whatever the case may be, whatever it is about the Lord, you're teaching them about the faith. You're teaching them about the word. And you can rely on the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. You don't need a doctor of ministry degree to do that. Right? You need the Holy Spirit. You need the word. You need to have faith in Jesus Christ. And then you've got it. Okay? So are you allowing the Holy Spirit to empower you to stand firm in a contentious and ungodly world? Remember that verse in Romans chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. I want to close with this, um, this account of somebody else who stood for the truth and amazing things happened. And I hope you find this an encouragement. Um, I don't know how to say this gentleman's name, so I'm probably going to butcher it. Uh, if anybody knows this story, please correct me. But it looks like Hein Pham. Sound familiar? Great. No one knows it. I said it perfect. All right. <laughs> 1971, he was a Buddhist who was uh, uh, interred in a communist prison camp in Vietnam. Okay. And uh, he was given latrine cleaning duty. And um, not a nice duty to pull, probably. And while he was down there, he was feeling great despair. Great despair. He'd been separated from his family. He's in this prison camp. The conditions are terrible. And now he's literally in the latrine cleaning. And apparently one of the guards had been using a Bible as toilet paper. As he reached down and he found a piece of scripture from Romans chapter 8. <laughs> For I am convinced that nothing can separate me. Right? And he reads this. Remember, he's Buddhist. But he reads this. And he is flooded with the love and the power of God. And he keeps reading and he keeps reading. And a few days later, he's finding more pieces of scripture in the, in the latrine, right? And he's reading. He's just like gobbling up the truth of the word. 
And he comes to faith in Jesus Christ through this adversity, right? And so then when his latrine duty was over, he went back to the guard and kept asking, hey, can I keep doing that? Because he wanted more of the word. That's how hungry he was for the word of God. So it makes me ask myself initially, am I that hungry for the word of God? And then, a little while later, he was involved in an escape attempt. And uh, he and 53 others had made plans to get out. And uh, two nights before they were going to escape, these four guards show up at his door uh, in the little, what, Quonset hut thing where they were being kept. And um, they confronted him on it and said, we know you're planning to escape. You know, they want to know about his attempt and... So he lied and he denied it. And um, afterwards, he felt really guilty about it. He convinced them to leave and uh, he felt really terrible about it. And um, the Lord gave him another chance to be honest. The next night, those four guards came back and they said, we know that you and at least 50 others are going to plan to escape. We want to know the details. And he, so he confessed and he was sure he was going to be killed. And when they didn't immediately drag him out into the street, he was astonished and they said, we want to go with you. <laughs> and they actually, those four guards, uh, came to faith in Christ through his witness and ended up going on to be leaders in the church, in the underground church movement um, in that country. So when we stand for the truth, when we're honest about it, we don't know what the Lord's purposes are going to be or how he will use it. But if we will trust him with our faith and our obedience, he will honor that and he will do amazing things with it. So let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for this body of believers called together at this time. We ask, Lord, that um, when the time comes for us to stand, whether it be here as a church or individually, in our lives or for the kids in school, Lord, that we would stand firmly, that we would listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, that when people ask us hard questions, rather than panic in our own brains about what we're going to say, that we would just skip a beat, hesitate, and listen to the Holy Spirit and trust. Lord, help us to honor you, that our words and our actions would be pleasing to you, that when we stand before you finally on that day, we would have no reason to be ashamed. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's join together.